Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Monday, July 10th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by Patrick Murphy. A lot to get into. We're going to uh, break down Phil Steele's preseason college football rankings, both his national rankings, and then we're going to look at his Big Ten rankings, both East Division and West Division. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to, again, talk about what we agree, what we disagree about. And then real quick, as I've been saying, if you are watching on YouTube, you like the show, please subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Helps us out a lot, so please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Helps us out a lot. Appreciate that very much. All right, let's get down to it here, as you can see. All right, no surprise. Phil Steele has Georgia number one. Here's where it gets interesting already off the bat. And I've been saying this team is a little underrated, according to the Vegas odds. He's got Clemson number two. Now, he also has power rankings, where he has Georgia one, Ohio State two. So this is all based on schedule, like where, you know, so it's all of that's factored in. But he does have Ohio State number two in his power rankings. But this is just based on schedule. So he's got Georgia one, Clemson two, Michigan three, Bama four, Ohio State five, Penn State sixth, USC seventh, Florida State eighth, LSU ninth, Notre Dame tenth. Let's stop right there, then we'll get to 11 through 20 in a minute. What do you agree? What you, do you disagree with, Patrick Murphy? Well, real quick, uh, Michael Wilson asked why I was wearing a yellow shirt. It's a crew shirt, Columbus crew. Uh, they gave him out at the game this past weekend. So not Michigan at all. Don't worry. Just uh, happened to be a shirt that was readily available for me uh, this morning. Anyway, uh, I think this is interesting. I think the rankings, look, the rankings in preseason, we talk about it every year, relatively meaningless, right? I mean, it, it can help set some things up, but We know the top teams are going to be in the discussion at the end. But I think with the quarterback situation at a lot of these teams heading into the season makes it 
tougher than usual to pick where some teams are going to be. And, and Ohio State obviously is in that mix. A new starter, Georgia, will have a new starter. Alabama will have a new starter. In fact, three of the four teams to make the college football playoff last year, with the exception of the aforementioned Michigan, has a new starting quarterback. So I think when you're looking at these rankings in general, you have to take that into account. And remember, Phil Steele is a national guy, right? So he is not paying tiny, tiny – he does a great job, but he's not he's not looking at Ohio State – or any of those schools the way that we do, or the guys that cover Alabama or Georgia. So you, you have to keep that in mind a little bit, I think, when looking at these. I was a little surprised with Clemson being as high as they are. I know Cade Klubnick is returning, but he's only thrown 100 passes and completed 61 of them for 697 yards and two touchdowns. So not a, not a ton of experience. Uh, you know, that's obviously a team, as you mentioned, that you know could be a little underrated in some people's eyes just because – they, they will have the defense. If the quarterback is good, as he has been in the past, then, then they should climb back into things. But the ACC is going to be an interesting conference to try and get out of. Um, look, personally, I would probably have Ohio State a little bit higher, but I completely understand, especially given still some questions about the defense in the big games, having them just outside that top four. I'm not worried about it. I think the Buckeyes will have plenty of time throughout the season to prove that they are one of the best teams in the country, but I think that's interesting. I think where Notre Dame is ranked, not just with, with Phil Steele's rankings, but when we get the, the AP and coaches poll coming out will be interesting because obviously that big game in week four will kind of set the tone for Ohio State early on. Um, you know, having them, what are they, 10 on that list? Yeah. Uh, and then Florida State's a team that I know is getting a lot of hype this offseason. This isn't a, a program that's been great over the last – handful of years right so can they climb back into that conversation as we go through the season for the the college football playoff which they haven't made since I believe that first year right when Ohio State uh won the national title I think that was the last time Florida State was in that mix so you know interesting there there's certainly talent uh down there but they just haven't been able to put it together year after year so that's another team that I that just kind of jumps out to me as, as kind of a you know newcomer, so to speak, back in the mix of, of those top, top teams. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I get I Like I said, I've been saying, you know, outside of the top six Vegas odds, you know, that goes Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, and then USC and LSU are tied for the fifth best odds. So out of those top six, you know, we've been talking on the show I do for 97-1, who, if you had to pick someone out of that top six, I keep saying I think it's going to be one of those six, but um, if you had to pick someone out of that top six, who would it be? And I've said Clemson just because of all the reasons that Phil Steele mentioned and you mentioned. Um, but second is a little rich for my blood there. I can't get I can't get down with that. Like I'm okay with saying they could be sixth or seventh, but and maybe could sneak into the playoffs because they play in the ACC. Um, so I, I disagree with Clemson. I you know and I just. I think Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten. I think they're going to get over the hump and beat Michigan this year. But I understand why Michigan's ranked ahead of Ohio State. They beat them yeah. according to Phil, according to Phil Steele, and maybe according to the polls when they come out. Now it's interesting. According to Vegas, Ohio State, like I mentioned, has slightly better odds to win the national championship than Michigan. Ohio State is third at seven to one. Michigan is fourth at nine to one. So that, I do find that interesting. It's pretty much splitting hairs. So I, I also disagree with that. I put Ohio State ahead of Michigan, but I don't think that's egregious by any means. We have heard from people that cover the SEC, and if anything, like Alabama, have told us 
this Alabama team is not the typical Saban team. Still really good because it's Alabama, so it's a very high bar. So I don't know if I'm buying Alabama either, although putting them fourth, I have no problem with that. Um, so those are a few. And Notre Dame, if they finish 10th, I'll be somewhat surprised, but Sam Hartman was a great get. That might be the most valuable get on all of college football in the transfer portal because they were so bad at quarterback last year and held them back. Now they have a legit good quarterback. So I, maybe I'm okay with Notre Dame at 10th. All right, let's look at uh, 11 through 20 and see what you would agree and disagree with Patrick. Okay, he's got Texas at 11th, Texas A&M at 12th. We'll see. Wisconsin at 13th. He thinks Wisconsin's going to be one of the surprise teams, but 13th sounds about right to me. That doesn't seem like they're like, I don't know. He's That's not that high. 14, Washington, 15, Oregon, 16, Utah, 17, Iowa, new quarterback Cade McNamara, 18th, Oregon State, 19th, Tennessee, and then 20th, Oklahoma. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Well, I am really interested in Texas this year. Look, I like what Quinn Ewers offers, and I know he's obviously a a polarizing name with Ohio State fans coming here for the one year and then transferring, and, and we could discuss that on another show, but I think he's a talented quarterback. I think when he was healthy last year, you saw what he was able to do. They added the wide receiver from uh, Georgia, uh, Donnie Mitchell, who I think is a talented player and and will only help their offense. Uh, So that's a team that that I'm interested in. Remember, they had Alabama on the ropes. Now that was in uh, Austin. They have to go to Alabama early this season. I think that's week two or three. So we'll learn a lot about Texas early, but that's, if I'm picking one of the teams from that list that you just uh, said there that could creep up into that college football playoff discussion, that's what I'm going to w- with Washington also there. Um, we'll talk about Wisconsin when we talk about the Big Ten. Tennessee, I think you've, you've got to replace a quarterback, obviously, and, and a good one. Um, they've got some guys in line, and including the former Michigan quarterback. But that's a team that really put themselves back on the map last year with some of the stuff they were able to do. If you are going to finally continue to be a a dominant force in the SEC, this is the year to do it. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not advocating for them to be higher on the list, but that, that I think is an interesting team if they can find the quarterback and replace some other key players on their team, uh, which is not easy to do. They don't stockpile the way some of those top teams do, including Ohio state, but Texas to me, I think Texas could be very interesting this year. Last year in the Big 12, it's the first time, and I want to say like eight or nine years, they've been the preseason favorite for the Big 12, which just came out last week. So that program seems to be moving in the right direction. Um, We'll find out, like I said, pretty quickly when they face Alabama on the road. But that's a kind of a dark horse team that I'm keeping an eye on here as we head into the season. I'm not buying A&M at all at 12. I mean, my gosh, just not buying Jimbo Fisher at all. I know he, he they've stacked talent, but not buying it. Um, I like Wisconsin. I won't be surprised if Wisconsin finishes higher than that. I mean, they, you know, they, what's the one thing Wisconsin seems to not have not had for a long time since Russell Wilson, a quarterback. Now they've got a good quarterback with Tanner Mordecai um, who transferred in from SMU and was really good at SMU the last two years. And they've got, they brought in a, the offensive coordinator that's innovative, that's going to throw the ball. They're still obviously going to run the ball. Now, Luke did struggle his first year at Cincinnati. He went four and eight and then did great for the five years after that. So maybe there could be a little bit of, a, I don't know, uh, an adjustment period, but they've got that excellent running back coming back. Um, 
Braden Allen. Um, you know they're going to have offensive linemen, and you know they're going to play good defense under Fickle and Mike Tressel. So I could see Wisconsin slipping into the sneaking into the top ten. Um, let's see what else do I agree and disagree with. A and M is the one that stands out to me. I yeah. can see Utah finishing higher than sixteenth. I will. I do like them getting Cade McNamara. Not that he's great, but I do. I do think that's going to be good for them. Um, Tennessee. Tennessee is a team I'm keeping a close eye on. That's going to be interesting. Can they? Can they beat Alabama this year? Um, they have a tough schedule, so we'll see about that. But Tennessee is going to be. Although Joe Milton, do we trust him? He looked good in the bowl game. Right. Uh, our, our old friend uh, Joe Milton, um, who was going to be the next Dante Culpepper, they were saying at Michigan. But anyway, now he's an older guy. Looked good in the bowl game. Josh Heupel was a very good hire, so I'm okay with Tennessee there. They might even be a little bit higher. Oregon State, I'm a little surprised to see them at 18th, but I don't really know that much about Oregon State, I'll be honest with you. All right, let's let's jump ahead to Big Ten rankings from our friend Phil Steele. Let's go with – man, for years I'd get the magazine and it was just a lock. Ohio State would be number one <laughs> every year for the Big Ten East, like for the last like 15 years. I, I think last year he had Michigan number one as well. All right, so – Phil Steele's Big Ten East rankings, Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, Penn State 3, Maryland 4, Michigan State 5th. He's got Rutgers 6th and then Indiana pulling up the rear. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with Patrick Murphy? I think that top three is is probably going to be the same for almost anyone who puts together a Big Ten rankings, um, you know, in some order, you know, maybe some people have Ohio State first, or maybe some that even have Penn State higher. But I think those three are the the obvious top three in this division, probably the top three in the conference. Indiana, to me, and I know you did recently on on Bucknuts the ranking of of Ohio State schedule, and I think you had Indiana pretty low, if I remember correctly. I, I, Rutgers, like I had Rutgers lower than and uh, Western Kentucky, if you remember. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't you know, look Rutgers until you prove it to me. And and they've had they've had some better years under Greg Schiano, but it hasn't gotten back to what it was or what they hoped. And you know that's going to be a long time coming for for them to get that program to a contending or competitive even Big Ten level. But I maybe would have Indiana higher. Um, just because I trust what their coaching staff can do. Look, it wasn't that long ago that Indiana was – now, it was a strange year, the COVID season, but Indiana was pretty darn good that season, and, and some of those guys are still on the roster. So I think that I might have Indiana a little higher, but I don't have a ton of issue with it. Look, we obviously you, – you mentioned it earlier, you think Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten. I It's hard for me to argue that Ohio State, Michigan, you know, one and two – I know that that is going to be a hell of a game up in Ann Arbor. I'd feel much more comfortable about it if it were down in Columbus this year. But this is going to be a very good Michigan team. It's it's not like Ohio State's going to go up there against a team that's returning or not returning a bunch of players. They've got some studs back, including in the running game. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, obviously his development will be huge to what they're able to accomplish this year if he's able to become more of a passer than, than he was in some of the big games. And I know his numbers looked good against Ohio state, but there were, there were some, you know, guys fell down and, and there were some busted coverages and whatnot, but if he can become the quarterback that he was recruited to be, then I think they're very dangerous, but you know, Ohio state should certainly be motivated for that game. It could be the same as it's been the last two, basically the de facto big 10 East championship. So for me, you know, pick between who you think between Ohio State and Michigan, but no real issues with with the rankings here in the eastern side of the Big Ten. 
Yeah, this is pretty close to how I had it. I, I just flipped Indiana and Rutgers. I had Rutgers last, Indiana sixth. And I really look at this as tiers, kind of echoing what you said. I mean, it's really Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State in that first tier. Yeah. Um, and if you want to even break it out, Ohio State, Michigan, and then maybe slightly behind them, Penn State. But I'll put those top three in the first tier. And then Maryland I have in a tier by themselves because they're dangerous with Tunga Vailoa back. And they, they also were better defensively than – I remember when I looked at the the stats, they actually had a better defense than I remember last year. And Tonga Vailoa um, could have a big time year this year. They've got talent. I don't believe in Mike Loxley as a head coach, but he's put a lot of talent out there. So I like Maryland as that clear number four. Michigan State, I have fifth, but like they're in a kind of a, a, a tier of their own too in my book because they're they're definitely not as good as Maryland in my opinion. But they're clearly better than Indiana and Rutgers, who yeah. I have those two in their own tier bringing up the rear. But I have Indiana ahead of. Rutgers. All right, before we get to the West, my friend, uh, good friend Michael here really wants to know this. He's posted this several times. Will Ohio State land KJ Bolden, the five-star safety, number one safety in the country from Georgia? I don't know, man. If I had to bet my life, first of all, I would not want to do that. Um, let's say we had to bet like a, a, an amount of money that is meaningful to us, whatever that might be. So for me, like five bucks, right? If I had to bet five bucks, um, I would probably bet he's going to go to Georgia, but I know he likes Ohio state and Ohio state's very much in the running. Bill Curlick, the Dean feels good about Ohio state's chances, but not enough where he's put in a crystal ball. Steve Wiltfong has put in a crystal ball for Georgia. So I would bet Georgia. What do you think, Pat? Yeah, I'd pulled up the crystal ball page while you were talking there. Uh, Steve Wiltfong has it in as a, cause you can, you can grade how confident you are in these. He has it as a six out of 10. So a medium level. But a couple others, uh, Corey Fravel from our Clemson site, he has Georgia as at a seven. Chris Knee from our Knowles site uh, as a six to Georgia. Kip Adams, also a seven. He's from our, our Georgia site. So, look, you know me. I, I, I don't uh, dive into the recruiting world nearly as much as those guys I mentioned and Bill Curlick. But I, 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 from talking with Bill, it does sound like Ohio State is very much in the running, but I agree with you. It's going to look right now for elite defensive prospects. It's hard to beat Georgia and what they've done on the field, back-to-back national titles and the way that they've played defense. You know, you have to prove it if you're Ohio State and you're going to contend with that. And, and right now they haven't been able to. Now, you know, you look at it on the other side of the ball, Ohio State's been able to land pretty much whoever they wanted offensively. That's because they've had all this offensive success and, and whatnot. So you, you've got to prove it on the field and you've got to build that back up. And I think they've started to do that. We've seen some obviously good commitments, but yeah, if I were to, like you said, have to have to bet something substantial on it, Georgia does seem like the, the favorite and the way to go there. But again, I, I wouldn't rule Ohio State out entirely, like you said. Apparently that was a fake Michael Wilson account. Oh. Have, Michael Wilson is so famous. Big Mike's got people out there impersonating him. So I banned that guy. You can't be out here, you know, trying to impersonate our longtime uh, loyal listeners. All right, let's get back to the topic at hand. All right. Although I didn't mind talking a little KJ Bolden there. Let's let's hope the Buckeyes land him. All right. Um, Big 10 JV. I'm sorry, Big 10 West. You know, (laughs) Freudian slip there. Big 10 West rankings, according to Phil Steele. All right, number one, Wisconsin. Luke Fickle in Wisconsin. It's still so strange to say that. Number two, Kirk Ferentz in Iowa. Not strange to say that. Third, Brett Bielema in Illinois. Still kind of strange. 
Not as strange. He's got Minnesota and Illinois tied for third. I think if you're making these lists, you should just not have ties. What's you're making your own list. Don't have a tie, but he's got them tied. Illinois and Minnesota third. The Buckeyes will play Minnesota this year as well as Wisconsin. Um, then he's got Nebraska fifth, Northwestern sixth. And yes, we will talk about Pat Fitzgerald in a moment. Don't worry. Um, and then he's got Purdue seventh. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with, Pat? So Wisconsin's interesting, and I know just the other day in our kind of OSU beat text message, uh, there was some discussion about Wisconsin. Just, just uh, Wisconsin. What, are, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, look, Wisconsin is is interesting. We You mentioned Luke Fickle earlier and his first year at Cincinnati. I think he obviously has more talent with the Badgers than he did when he took over uh, down south in Cincinnati. But transitioning that offense, um, and that's been, as you mentioned earlier, the biggest thing. Uh, I, I, I really like the potential there. The Buckeyes have to go there the week after they play Penn State at home, which I think is probably the most part of the most challenging stretch of Ohio State's season. So I think Wisconsin almost by default, like who else of this group? You talked about Iowa and, and the transfers. Uh, remember Eric all also from Michigan transferred in giving them another weapon there. Um, but none of, look, you, you, you made the joke earlier about the JV side and look, they, they, if, if was, if the big 10 West was ever going to, you know, kind of overtake the big 10 East, they have not done that in the, how many years now have we had these divisions. So like, I, I think you're splitting hairs with a lot of these teams, right? There there's talent, but nothing that, that really stands out in a lot of those. Nebraska, obviously under new coaching staff as well. I think that will take time to get potentially back on track. But we've seen multiple coaches now come in and, and struggle there. So I think it'll be interesting uh, in, in Lincoln, Northwestern, Purdue. You know, I, I just don't see a ton there. Now, I do think when Ohio State goes to Purdue, that's another one that's right in that stretch right after Wisconsin, I believe. So that has not been a place that's been kind to Ohio State in the past, but just overall in terms of where you'd rank them preseason, the, the talent doesn't jump off the page to me right now. Yeah, I don't have a problem with these. Again, it's, it's just it's similar to um, how I felt about the Big Ten East rankings from Phil Steele. I would just flip the last two. And yeah. this has nothing to do with the recent news, which we're, we're going to get to. Even before that came out, I had Purdue um, ahead of Northwestern. I had Northwestern last, Northwestern coming off a 1-11 season. They were three and nine the year before that. Not a good time to be coming off a one and eleven season, by the way, with all this stuff coming out. Although maybe it wouldn't matter if you're coming off eleven and one, given some of these details. So I wouldn't change anything there, other than um, maybe not have a tie at three. But I, maybe I just put Illinois at third, Minnesota fourth. I don't like that the Buckeyes have to play a physical Minnesota team the week before Michigan, but is what it is. PJ Fleck, polarizing figure, but I, he's a good head coach. I don't think he's a great head coach, but he's certainly a good head coach. It's going to be very interesting to see what Matt Rule does at Nebraska. I think it's going to take him at least uh, you know, a couple years to get things going there. So, yeah, I like that. I would just flip Purdue and Northwestern. I would keep everything else the same. Again, Wisconsin, um, because they got Mordecai, not that he's a world beater or anything, but he's a good college quarterback, certainly the best that they've had since Russell Wilson. And, and I know that's a low bar. I know that even like us could jump over that bar. That's how low that bar is. We could jump over it. But still, they have their best quarterback since Russell Wilson, and I think Wisconsin will be dangerous. All right, now let's get Real into quick, you, you mentioned. Go ahead, go ahead. You mentioned Illinois. 
similar to what I said earlier about Tennessee. Now they obviously weren't in the, the national championship conversation during last season, but had a really good year. Again, can you build on it? That's the thing we talked about Indiana earlier. You had that really good season and you take a step back. And so these, these are the programs that, you know, you, you want to establish yourself. Can you sustain success? Can you, can you do it for more than one season when like the stars kind of align? Can you build on that? Will Illinois be able to do that? You mentioned Brett Bielema moving that program maybe in the right direction. Uh, I, I, another thing that to kind of yeah. follow with them, if, if they can start to get the wheels going further in the right direction in year two, so to speak. All right, let's get to it. Um, uncomfortable topic, but let's get into it. Um, I've been reading a lot about this. I read just the general stories about Pat Fitzgerald. And then I finally sat down this morning and finally read the one from the Daily Northwestern, the original report. I mean, it's pretty impressive that that, that comes from, of course, it's from one of the best journalism schools in the country, if not the best. So it's maybe it's not that surprising that it's a campus newspaper, um, but they do a great job there, obviously. And there's a long list of talented journalists that have come from Northwestern, of course. All right, let's get to it. Is Pat Fitzgerald likely done at Northwestern, in your opinion? Let's start there. Probably. Uh, look, this, this, when I first heard about this over the weekend, it read to me, and I think you would agree, I think most of you would agree, but like, and you hear hazing, you automatically think like fraternities, right? And I'm just like, why is a Big Ten program doing this? Like, what is the point? I know every, I'm sure every team has some things initiation wise that they do with new players and, and whatnot. But to me, this was, this is such a, I don't know, such a strange thing, especially at a school like Northwestern. And Pat Fitzgerald, obviously, a guy who played at that school, has been the head coach there for now a long time, probably could have coached as long as he wanted, as long as he kept things going in the right direction in terms of academics and, and handling things the right way. The success on the football field has gone up and down, but this is a team that's played in multiple Big Ten championship games. Say what you will about the division they came out of. That's more than other programs in the Big Ten West can say. So, you know, it was going to be something like this, right? If they were – or Pat Fitzgerald decided to move on on his own. Um, to me, it, it's – it's very strange. And, and, you know, you read the, the statements from uh, the, the people at Northwestern. If you are reading between the lines of tolerating, you know, the lack of tolerating this stuff and whatnot, now that everything's out, the two-week suspension, no pay in July, is just laughable. Um, I know that you can make the argument, okay, Pat Fitzgerald didn't know. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. My understanding is – and this is sort of what the, I believe was the, the president at Northwestern said was you run the program. You are responsible for handling, taking care of, being aware of these type of situations. And even from the stories, it sounds like he was at least somewhat aware. I know Adam Rittenberg over the weekend put some stuff out that there was a whiteboard in the middle of the locker room listing players' names that were supposed to get run, as they put it. Um, to me, this is it's just embarrassing for a Big Ten program to to have something like this happen. I understand, like I said, kind of initiating young guys and, and having some fun with it, but this obviously pushes things too far. And you know, I don't know if you're Northwestern, the reason to keep Pat Fitzgerald. As I said, there has been success, but 
it's not like it's been sustained success and they've turned into this big 10 juggernaut. There are other coaches out there that I think would, would do, do some good things at Northwestern. So look, if they, if these allegations are, are proven to be correct, I think whether Pat Fitzgerald directly knew or was directly responsible about it, the punishment has to be more severe than a two week slap on the wrist penalty before preseason even gets started. And it would not surprise me if that means he's out the door at some point. Yeah, at first I thought he was going to survive until the president came out and said, ah, we're going to need to rethink this this two weeks. It was like, whoa, that, that said a lot to me right there. Because initially it says like it sounded like they're going to stand by their man. Yeah, he should have known, but it's been determined through the investigation that he did not know. Um, let's get into that. Let's pretend, because a lot of people say that's just BS. You have to know. He had to know. There was a whiteboard in there. He was even doing some of the clapping himself. Some people say, he had to know. Okay, and I get that. Let's play devil's advocate with that. Let's say for the sake of argument, we somehow know that Pat Fitzgerald didn't know that this was going on, even though he's been the coach there for 17 years. Um, where do you come down on this? When you, We know, well, maybe not you and I firsthand or anything. We've heard stories about college men from the age of 18 to 22, sometimes maybe not making the best decisions, maybe not telling the authority figures what they're doing. Again, not present I've company heard. excluded, of course. Yeah. But, like, we've, I've, we've heard stories about this happening with, with college kids. But seriously, when you're a college football coach and you're responsible for 105 young men, um, boys, you know, doing bad things, is, this is awful if these allegations are true. But where do you come down on how, how much a college football coach needs to know everything that's going on in his program with so many guys on the team? And we know college kids are going to do some bad things. Yeah, I would say it's impossible to know everything, right? I mean – you know, your staff is somewhat limited in terms of what you can have in terms of full-time staff members. Um, so to, to know everything that goes on, obviously, I, I don't think that's reasonable. But I do think in, in a situation like this, and if you believe everything that's being reported, as you were saying, the whiteboard and the clapping and stuff like this, to me, it would be difficult to not have some idea of what, what they had going on there. Um, now, to what extent... How much, you know, if it was kind of just, hey, I know they're doing some hazing stuff. I, we turn a blind eye to it and then he doesn't know the, the details behind it. I think that's a little bit on the head coach to, to be aware. You know, you don't have to be involved in everything that, that these guys do, but maybe check some things out just to make sure something of this magnitude isn't taking place. Um, you know, I think I, I was trying to put it in you know, if this were Ohio state and we, we were covering this and discussing it from a guy like Ryan day, who we know and things like, you know, how do you, how do you kind of handle it that way? And look to me, I think I would say the same thing. Ryan day should, and his staff, it's not just, just the head coach, but that they should be aware of some of this stuff and, and, you know, keep, keep, as you said, these are college kids. They're going to do some dumb things. You have to guide them and, and keep a little, keep a lid on some of this. And I don't mean not let it get out. I mean, not let it happen if it's as bad as, as what they're saying. So, and I, again, at a place like Northwestern, a big tent, you, you don't need this stuff. You just don't, um, you know, it's not a fraternity. It's a competitive college football team that, you know, just, just seems silly to go down this route at all. When, you know, if you want guys to carry pads and do all that, when they first join the program, I, I can see all that. I understand, but, going this far just seems seems way over the line for, for a place like this. We've got future Buckeye quarterback Air Noland in the chat. Now, it could be somebody 
you know, impersonating the five-star stud, but let's just assume it's not. Air Nolan, welcome. Assuming it's you. Um, we're going to assume it's you because it's really cool knowing that uh, Air Nolan's hanging out, wanting to get in on the show. Trust me, we will have you on the show. Uh, we need to verify it's you, and then we'll be honored to have you on five-star Ohio State quarterback commit Air Nolan. Very cool that he dropped by. Um, very cool that Patrick Murphy dropped by. This show went over a half hour. was not intending that, uh, but a lot of fun stuff to get into. We're going to be going to Big Ten Media Days in two weeks. Season's going to be here before we know it. I absolutely love it. So hopefully we can get Aaron Noland on the show soon. And uh, thanks to all of our viewers and listeners. Again, if you're watching on YouTube and you like the show, please subscribe. helps us out a lot. Thanks again to Patrick Murphy. Thanks again to all of you. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.